I'm in a series in the book of James, and we're talking about overcoming by the word today. The series is overcome, overcome, how to do it. And today we see right away in James that the Bible tells us that we do that by looking at the word of God and following it. An old physician got bored with retirement, so he opened up a unique office called Dr. Geezer's Clinic. His payment system was simple, $500 to be cured or $1,000 back. And a young, a witty young entrepreneur saw a certain profit to be made, so he went claiming that he'd lost his sense of taste. Dr. Geezer ordered the nurse to give Mr. Young three drops from medicine box number 25. Mr. Young gagged as he quickly recognized that it was gasoline. Dr. Geezer said, congratulations, you've got your taste buds back. That'll be $500. Seeking to regain his money, he thought through it. With all of the wisdom he could muster, he returned a week later complaining that he'd lost his memory. Dr. Geezer instructed the nurse give him three drops of medicine from box number 25. Mr. Young quickly protested, hey, that's gasoline. Dr. Geezer said, congratulations, you've got your memory back. That'll be $500. (laughs) Infuriated that he'd now lost $1,000, Mr. Young thought about it, came back two weeks later claiming that his eyesight had failed. Dr. Geezer sighed and said, I'm sorry, I don't have any medicine that restores vision. He handed Mr. Young a $10 bill and said, here's your $1,000. And the young man screamed, wait a minute, that's a $10 bill, to which Dr. Geezer smiled and said, congratulations, you've got your eyesight back, that'll be $500. (laughs) And the moral of the story is, just because you're young doesn't mean you can outsmart an old geezer. Now it's good to recognize the wisdom and experience of men, of humans. It's even better to see and acknowledge the incredible wisdom that comes from the word of God. It's unmatchable. And so we're going to look at that today. Let's pray. Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd illuminate to our hearts and minds the truth that will set us free. You you have something you want to say to each one here today, Lord, and it's uniquely different. I pray that they would hear, and not only hear, but become a doer of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So three things about the word of God today. The first is this, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. James 1.22, it says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Many, many people who believe in Jesus Christ do not have a heart to follow Jesus Christ or to follow the full counsel of his word. I think of entertainers in our world today, in the mainstream. Many of them call themselves Christians, and yet they're involved in these lewd, crude, ungodly acts. On the stage, they're doing things that should be unspeakable for Christians. And they're not only not a good witness, they're a terrible witness. Let's assume that these entertainers, actors, whoever they may be, Let's assume that they call themselves believers and they know the word of God. If they do, then they aren't really interested in obeying it. And as a result, they don't look anything like Jesus and they're messing up the lives of those who are following them. And those who are following them are in the millions with social media these days. Instagram, Facebook, and beyond. 
They're not showing Jesus. They're not being blessed as a result of not following him. And they're certainly not blessing the lives of those that are following as they do these deeds. Which leads me to this thought. To believe in Jesus is not the same as believing Jesus. There are many people who say they believe in Jesus, but if they believed Jesus, they would trust him and follow his word, as he said. We have lots of people in this world, oh, I believe, but not enough to trust. I know the word says that, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's so great for me right now. And the problem with that is we cause ourselves grief we cause others around us grief because we don't have a heart to trust him and what he says. His word tells us of the importance of following what he says. Jesus, these are his words in John 15, 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I guess the opposite's true. If you don't obey his commands, you won't remain in his love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, verse 11, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Why does he want us to follow his ways, to follow his word? There it is right there at the end. We somehow think it's gonna hurt us. We somehow think it's keeping us from having a good time. But what he says is if you follow my word, I will make your joy complete. I think this is why a lot of believers have trouble with that abundant life thing the Bible talks about, kicking in. You know, when's that abundant life gonna kick in for me? Evidently, it's really closely related to following what he says. And so we have to have that kind of trust in Jesus, that trust in God the Father, that he's not against us, he's for us. That he's not gonna hurt us, he's gonna bless us. That when we follow him, things get better. I can hear the voice of some Christians right now saying, but following Jesus is not about a set of rules. And I totally agree with that. You can follow rules and not know Jesus at all. You can follow the truth of God's word and not know Jesus because you haven't invited him into your heart. It's not following rules that save us. However, when you give your heart to Jesus and you realize how much he loves you and you realize the truth as you begin to experience it because the word says that there's one definition for God that he gave himself and it's this, God is love. When you realize that he's for you, that he wants to bless you, you know you can trust him completely and you want to follow him. Not following is a sign that you don't really know who he is and how much he loves you. When you experience his love, you want to follow from your whole heart. So the motivation is not obeying the word to win approval from God, but rather obeying the word because we love and we trust Jesus. When he says it's good for us, we believe it. So we do our best to move that way. We understand that his supreme loving motive is to lead us in the way that will bless us. It's not about a set of rules. It's about loving, knowing that he loves me and loving him back and trusting him so I follow. I have a friend named Rick who is a pastor and Rick was flying on a plane and he met a young lady and she asked what he did and so he let her know and pretty soon she said, my dad's a pastor. She said, I don't go to church anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm not really following Jesus anymore. And Rick said, oh man, that's, that's too bad. What, what's going on? And she said, I'm just sick of the rules. There's so many rules. You know, 
remember this, rules without relationship always equal rebellion. That's true with parents and it's true in other places. It's not about the rules. Somebody must have made her think it's all about the rules. She said, I'm just sick of following the rules. And Rick thought a little bit, said a prayer, and then he said this. How about this? Don't follow the rules. Just follow Jesus. When you follow Jesus and you know how great he is and you begin to experience his love, you follow from your heart. Nobody makes you do anything. Nobody tries to force it upon you. I love the thought of taking the word of God for each one of us and reading it every day as it says in Joshua 1.8, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth but you should meditate therein both day and night that you may observe to do carefully everything written therein. And so, evidently God wants to bless us every day and I love this verse, Psalm 143.8. Look at it on the screen. This is the heart that you approach the word of God with. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning. When you open that Bible, you know that this is the God of love who cares about you. That he's gonna bless your life right now. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk for I give myself to you. That, my friends, is a great scripture to memorize, to put in the inside of your Bible, to remember every time you open your Bible that it's about his love coming to you. Even the walk is about you and others being blessed. So that's why we shouldn't just be listeners of the word, thinking that somehow it's not true, he won't bless us, that it's better to go get drunk and throw up and commit adultery because you didn't know what was going on. And No, he said don't get drunk because he loves you. He knows what that leads to, and so we can, we can trust him in everything that he says. Second thought. The word shows us here, second part of that verse that we read a moment ago, we can easily fool ourselves. We have to be careful. James 1.22 says it. Otherwise, if it, okay, you don't be just a listener but a doer. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. The issue of anger is one that we're gonna take a look at here for a moment because it's brought up here right in the context of this. You know, there's other places where he talks about sexuality and following the truth there so that we might be blessed and not hurt and hurt others. And here he brings up the issue of anger. So let's look to see what God says and how easy it could be to fool ourselves concerning this thing. James 1.19, understand this my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So that's a big deal to God. He, he doesn't want us to be angry people. He says in verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And then he says, so get rid of all filth. The context of the filth and evil he's talking about here is the verse previously, which was about anger. So he really doesn't like it when it's, when it's you know, this human thing. I'm going to tell you why he doesn't like it. Because it hurts you and it hurts others. It, it divides you in a relationship. It causes people not to want to be with you. And it causes families to separate. Friends to forever go away and not know each other again. And so when he talks about anger, he's not trying to tell us we're bad. He's trying to tell us, he has a way that's much better that he wants to help us with. And so, Psalm 143, I'm trusting you, right? Can we trust him when it comes to this? 
Can we trust him that he's not trying to condemn us, but he's trying to help us and bless, and bless our lives? Get rid of all filth and, and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. So we're in the word. The word tells us. So, so let's say you're reading and you come across this and God convicts. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't condemn, but the Holy Spirit very much does convict us to show us of an area where we're off that is hurting us and hurting others because he wants to bless us. And so, you, you know, one of, the, one of the great dangers in our, in our nation today with Christianity is that we're not taking personal responsibility for our behavior. We're all saying things like, well, everybody sins. As if when God says, listen and obey, it's not possible to obey. Would he tell us to listen and obey if it wasn't possible? Not only is it possible, I'm telling you, people get control of anger who don't even have the Holy Spirit helping them. How much more could he help us if we just yield any area of our life that's weak and know that he, he means if you're humble, he'll lift you up, the Bible says. He'll meet you there. He'll strengthen you by his Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll help you get there faster than you can ever imagine. He'll heal relationships that are broken. But the deal is we've got to call it bad. We've got to take personal responsibility. And we have to be honest but here's what we do. We make excuses. Remember he said it'd be easy to fool yourselves. Here's some of the excuses. You made me mad. It's your fault. That's an excuse because it says in Proverbs 18:21, what you say can mean life or death. Those who speak with care will be rewarded. Evidently, we make a choice of what we're going to say and we're to speak with care. So we have to see that's personal responsibility. Speak, those who speak with care will be rewarded. Other excuses. Well, they deserve it. Well, they shouldn't be able to get away with this. I'm not going to be a doormat. They need to learn. All of those are just complete, ridiculous excuses for our sin. Because what God says is true. And I'll tell you, the most dangerous person is the one who says, that this is a lie from the enemy. I'm talking about fooling ourselves. They'll say, well, I'm the person that will speak up. I'm not afraid. So I speak my mind. And they actually pride themselves in it. And so they'll speak things that are bold and strong and mean and harsh. And then they'll say in their minds, I was brave enough to do it. But won't give a second thought to the ripping, the tearing, the, the difficulty that's caused, the, the division that it brings. You're not just speaking your mind. You're sinning. So let's be careful not to deceive ourselves. Look, I'm not saying I'm any better than, than anyone else in this house. I'm just saying that for all of us, we need to take these spots that the Lord would reveal to us and, 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 and understand that he's so loving that he's, he just wants to help us get better because he loves us so much. You love your little guys and your little girls, right? Your children, your grandchildren. And if they're going the wrong direction and perhaps they're, they're, you know, they, if they take that plastic baseball bat and they hit another kid over the head with it, you want to teach them life's not going to work out if you do that, right? We, honey, we don't do that. So, so that's what God does. He loves you so much. He wants life to go well for you. James 1.20 says, 
because anger will not help you live the right kind of life that God wants. The kind of life that God wants is one that brings blessing, one that brings healing. Some of the best work we'll ever do is not to speak in a situation. We don't have to say good or bad, but sometimes we just need to hold our tongue. The passage said, two ears and one mouth God's given us. And so we we should listen a lot more than we speak. We should be slow to speak, slow to anger. Sometimes we just need to hold up, right? Because anger will not help you live the right kind of life God wants. And the kind of life God wants is one that blesses you and others, but one that shows that that you're a witness of who he is as people can see him in you. If we're the children of God, shouldn't we bear some resemblance? We must be careful not to fool ourselves or we'll hurt others and hurt ourselves. I want to be vulnerable with you lest you think that uh, I'm holier or acting holier than now. I, I don't want to be that way. I want to tell you about a place that I blew it as a dad when uh, my kids were young. We were traveling about 30,000 miles a year in a brand new van that we had purchased. It's the first, I believe it's the first new uh, car, at least it was the first nice car I'd ever had like this. And, you know, caravan, you wouldn't think that's nice, but they were, you know, just out in those days and had all these bells and whistles. And I'd never had anything so nice. And when you grow up not having nice things, you kind of, you know, get excited about that. Well, one day we're traveling along in this van with my three-year-old, three-and-a-half Aaron, and a little baby, Candace, and Aaron had some juice and he spilled it in this brand new van. And it got all over the floor and it was the kind that I had been told wouldn't come out. And so I pulled the van over and I'm, it's just one of my worst moments as a dad. And I scolded my little three-year-old for the accident. Not a good dad moment. You know why it's not a good dad moment? Because I'm not showing my son what the heavenly father is like. Heavenly Father is loving and forgiving. And my goodness, it was an accident. But all this insecurity of I've never had anything. Now somehow it came up and, and the weakness in me came forward and I, and I scolded him. And to make matters worse, we have a picture. I kind of want to throw it away, but I'm going to keep it as a reminder. Just a few minutes later, we sat in front of a monument sign to take a family pic and Aaron is like this, just as sad as he can be. I looked at that a few weeks ago and thought, that's, that's why I thought of it for today. I thought, oh, crud, I, I told, that's me, that's my fault. See, God doesn't want us making our kids feel that way. God's not a God of shame. God's not a God who, and, and I wasn't showing him the right way, and God wants me to show him the right way. In Matthew 7, 26, it says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So we can make our excuses. We can embolden ourselves to keep going the wrong way. We can say God loves us no matter what we do, but here's the deal. If we build that foundation wrong with our spouse, with our children, with our coworkers, with our friends, with our parents then we cause something that's going to crash and burn down the road. You know, the the rest of the passage goes on to say, but if you build on the solid rock, if you follow the way and you trust in Jesus and you let him speak into your life, his word change your life, then the house will stand, the passage says. 
<clears throat> excuse me, and the bottom line is this, we can trust Jesus. We can trust his word. It will keep us from harm and bless us if we follow. Third point, the one who obeys the word will be blessed. You gotta believe that. You have to hold that in your heart that it's just for me because he loves me. It's for my kids because he loves them. And if I, if I will live right and bless right, then God will build things up and, and, and the trouble won't come that would come otherwise. James 1.25 says it this way, same passage, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and that, that's his goal, to set us free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So there it is again, personal responsibility. Do what it says, and God will bless you. Back to Psalm 143. I'm opening my Bible. He loves me. I can trust him. This Greek word for the word that is translated bless in that passage. God will bless you for doing it. The definition of that word is happy, fortunate, well off. So if I'll trust him in whatever the area it is, whether it's pornography, whether it's my words and anger, whether it's, you, you know, it might be stealing. It might, might just be something, whatever it is, that area you're struggling with, when the word says it, we can know that if we trust him that we're gonna be happy, we're gonna be fortunate, we're gonna be well off. I remember a few years ago I was in, well, <laughs> that's not true. Many years ago I was in high school. Um, <clears throat> And I went in uh, uh, to Payless in Salem with a friend of mine, and he said, stand right here. I thought, wow, what do, what do, stand right there. And I saw him take, uh, uh, um, I think it was a tape, so many years ago, a music tape, and he stuffed it down his pants. He goes, stand right there so you don't see me. I go, he goes, here, put, take one, take a couple. I do this all the time. We get it. I said, I'm not doing that. And he said, come here. And I just turned and walked out. Now, I, I didn't always do things right in my life, e even as a young person, but, but in that moment, I thought, I'm not stealing, because I had been taught different, I knew the word said different, and I walked out. And my friend, who was so confident in his skills of theft, got caught. And they called the police. And the police came out to me. And they checked me. I was really glad I didn't steal something. They called his dad. He got in huge trouble. He was a minor. He, something went on his, <clears throat> on his record as, as a young person. And so you say, oh, I'm going to get that tape. You may get that CD or whatever it is these days. You, you may get it, but in time, the Bible says you're going to be found out. And it's just going to wound and it's going to hurt. We have to trust the Lord in these things. So I say this. The life of the doer of the word is the very best life possible. Not just the listener, not just the reader, but the life of the doer of the word is the best life possible. So I told you how I blew it with Aaron. Now, now I want to tell a good story. You let me tell a good story about myself since I was willing to tell a bad one, right? Fast forward 14 years later, I get a call from my wife. She said, Aaron just ran over the lawn and it's bad. Well, we live on a, a hill that has a driveway about 120 feet up and I... I, I put grass on the, on, on the left side as you drive up, and, and uh, I like grass. I like it to be neat and mowed and edged, and I want it to look just right. I'm just one of those guys, you know? And, and, and um, 
people run over it all the time and it gets damaged. Uh, and I, you know, I had to work through my bitterness and eventually understand that it's, there's a spring there. So not only is it downhill, but there's, and, and not only in the rainy season is it soft, but there's a spring where water comes up underneath so it's super soft. So if a car hits it, then it, uh, and it's hard to back down if you don't know how, and, and um, it'll just tear it up pretty good. And the one thing we've learned is don't ever pull back up because it's so soft, just keep going and move down and you'll get, you'll get pressed down grass. But if you try to go up, you'll get a rut and the grass will start flying, right? And mud. So my son had just started driving. He's, he's 17 years old. He's taking the Tahoe, which is a big rig. We don't have any more, but he's not familiar with driving it. And he goes onto the grass and he's going down and he feels bad, you know, because he knows how dad is with this grass. And so... He starts to pull back up and, and try to get out of it. And, and so Karen calls me and said, man, he hit the grass and he hit it bad. And, and I'm thinking, well, how bad can it be, you know? And I, I said, well, it's all right. You know, it'll, it'll be okay. And she said, it's really, really bad. <laughs> so on the way home, here's what I'm doing, right? I've made my mistakes, but I'm thinking, I'm, I'm literally praying, God, this is my moment to show my son what you're like. You are full of grace and mercy. You are loving. This is going to be a great moment. I'm going to show grace. And I pulled around the corner, and it was a huge rut. I had no idea. I mean, it was about this wide and about this deep and about 40 feet long. Now, you can't tell with the power of those big rigs, right? And so I'm thinking, holy cow, that is an am- How could anyone do that if they tried, you know? But my wife had already told me he's very upset with himself, right, for this. So I went up there, and I, it was like the Grand Canyon, you know, three-day expeditions. I could make money doing hikes through there, you know. And so, but I thought, okay, hold, you know, it's, it's grace, grace. And so when Aaron came out, I said, buddy, this is no big deal. It's just grass. It'll all come together in four or five years. It'll come together. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Truth is, you get it muddy, and you push it all together, throw some grass on there, it's fine. But this is his heart. This is his life. And in that moment, I was able to show him more what the heavenly father is like. Full of grace. Why can we go to the word? Because we know he loves us. He's not trying to condemn us. Why can we let him open our hearts and move in the areas where he wants to change us? Because it's all about blessing us. Blessings flows to us and others and people can see what our Heavenly Father is like when we follow the Word. I want to tag this sermon with another thought because it's right here in the text when it's talking about being doers of the Word. James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So I wanna talk about our one day offering. This is talking about people that are less fortunate in our world and taking care of those that are poor and have had difficult times. Can you pull that or pick up that brochure that was sitting on your seat? Turn to the middle page that's green there and look where it says five benefits of giving for one day. Now, here's what one day is. I love Convoy of Hope. Anywhere there's a crisis in the world, they will show up and have food and help whether it's a hurricane or an earthquake. But not only that, they're everywhere reaching 
I believe 150,000 kids that they're feeding daily. And you saw the video earlier of one of those children that they're taking care of. They get the ability to go to a Christian school and they get a meal that's provided by Convoy of Hope. And we're taking an offering next Sunday called One Day to Feed the World. And we're honoring the truth of the word of God to say we shouldn't just think about ourselves. We've been so blessed. So we're asking people to consider prayerfully giving one day's salary. You work 240 days a year on the average. We're asking you to divide that salary by 240, whatever your annual salary is, and bring in an offering. 100% of it goes to feed the poor. You say, why are we doing that? Because we're, we're, we're doers of the word. You say, well, there's some people who don't make as much money. Listen, I, I want everybody to give equally, equally sacrifice, not equal giving. You say, you want, the, you want the poor to give? I've been in countries where, and Jerry's a missionary, seen it too, where, where these little kids who have nothing will bring their pennies and their dimes to give to God because they love him and it's their, their sacrifice unto him. I, I think everyone will be blessed if they give. Here's why. Look at Proverbs 19, 17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Huh. So if that's true, then what you give on Sunday to feed the poor will not be lost. I didn't put the word lend in the Bible there. Let me ask you this. You think God is good when it comes to lending. You think he'll, he'll repay. Well, he says here, I got you. He'll take care of you. You won't just be blessed monetarily. There'll be many ways where your heart won't become materialistic and you won't hold on to things more than you hold on to God. He was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and it says this about God. He will reward him for what he has done. That's why I can say it to every person. No matter what their salary is, he'll reward them. And if, you, if that's too much, bring your best. If you want to do more, do more. God will bless you for it. But we're going to do this in this way so bring your offerings next week, and here's what it does. You, you've got that in front of you, the green there in the middle right page. The, the benefits of giving to one day. Children across the world are fed both spiritually and physically. Second, farmers are taught how to increase their crops and provide food for their children. Third, this is what your gift will do. Women are empowered to start businesses to help feed and care for their children. Four, you and your family discover a tangible way to help the less fortunate throughout the world. Five, families are able to thrive and change the culture of their community. So, we're, we're looking at the word today, and in verse 23, I'm going to go back to verse 23, it says, for if you listen to the word of God and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face <clears throat> in the mirror. So I have a mirror here today, and I learned something cool in first service. Let's see if I can still do it. Look at, hey, hi over there. The reflection. <clears throat> so here, it's like, so, so let's say, you know, you're, you're not reading the word or you're just giving it a quick glance every now and then, maybe just to drive by in church every now and then, that sort of thing. So if you're like that, I mean, I just want you to think about if you don't have a mirror. If you didn't have a mirror in your life or you didn't look in a mirror when you got up in the morning. Well, when we get up in the morning, sometimes we can see that little eye booger right there, right? You gotta get that out of there. So sometimes you got a big zit, so you apply Oxy 10,000, but if you're just kind of doing that kind of thing, you know, it's not, that's not happening. You don't see it, right? And, 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 and so 
what happens is you don't take care of your hair and, you know, it's like a road map and that's kind of stylish today in some ways. But, but if you don't look at yourself in the mirror and you don't have a heart to take care of yourself, you end up ugly and stinky. Because you're not, you, you're, you're, you're not given any look to see what's going on for presentation, right? And it's not all about just the way we look, but it's about the way we are from our hearts. And so God says, I want you to look deeply into the word. And, 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 and when you, I don't want you to just glance. I want you to look deeply and let me take this word to help you look better. There are those who will read it with the wrong heart sometimes. There are those that condemn themselves. They look at it and say, I'm not worthy. I, I am ugly to God. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm fat. I'm unattractive. And, and that's not the way to approach the word of God. Psalm 143, he loves you. You can trust him. You're opening that word so he can help you and bless you and build you up, not tear you down. And then there are those who look at the word with pride, right? They've been serving the Lord for several years. They got their act together and they like what they see when they look in the mirror. Looking good, big boy. Yeah, that, that sort of thing, right? No, 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 that's pride. That's pride and we don't want pride because you just go buy a parachute because you're about to take a big fall, all right? So we don't want that. What do, what do we want? We want to open the word of God. We want to look at it and examine our lives. And when we see from the loving God who cares for us something that he wants to change, we say, God, you can have my heart because I trust you. Because you love me. And I'm going to move towards you. Growth and blessing come from that response.